Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Nevertheless, there'll be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and have increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for the fire. But to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord God Almighty will accomplish this. Ah, yes, there it is. I was looking for this valuable 50 pence piece in all this stuff. But do you know what? Those words just read to us are so much more valuable and precious. Oh, hold on a minute. My, my name's Howard. It's my privilege to lead Westminster Chapel. Let me give you three reasons why those words are so precious. Reason number one is that they are really old, written 700 years before Jesus was born. That's 2,700 years ago. Reason number two is they're so relevant to our circumstances. They were written to people who are really sad about the darkness and the gloom that they were experiencing, the difficult times in which they were living. And I think we can all identify with them now because of the coronavirus crisis. But even before the virus came, survey done in 2018, for example, by the Mental Health Foundation said that 74% of adults, the majority of adults throughout the previous year experienced moments where they felt so stressed they were overwhelmed and unable to cope. I think that's now surely got to 100% of, of all of us through what we've been through this year. So these words are precious because we need them more than ever. The third reason they're precious is that they predict the future accurately and that means that they are almost certainly supernatural because simply of that many people have tried to predict the future 
and they've done it so badly. <laughs> you can look at this throughout history and there are examples. Here's one for his one uh, that somebody actually said that computers would never, ever catch on and that you would never, ever want to have a computer in your home. I mean, why would you want that? Wrong. But the predictions the Bible makes about the future come true again and again and again. Isaiah, who wrote these words, predicted that Jesus would be born and that he would be the God King. Not just that, he predicts the way that Jesus would be born, miraculously conceived of a virgin. And he says that Jesus would grow up and die in a particular way. He would suffer in our place. He would take on our sin, our, our wrongdoing, our, the iniquity of us all in order to save and heal us. And then some of Isaiah's friends, also writing hundreds of years before Jesus would be born, uh, actually even predicted the place that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. That's pretty amazing. They get that right. And that Jesus would grow up to be betrayed. And that's what happens. Jesus is betrayed by Judas, who sells him out for money. There are about 48 major predictions in the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, written hundreds of years before Jesus came. The probability, the chances of just eight of them coming true is one in a hundred million billion. <laughs> That's a massive number. Someone, yes, has done the maths on that. To get your head around just how improbable that is, imagine the whole country of France, which is a pretty big country, is filled up with two feet of 50 pence coins, really 50 pence coins, two feet high. And then you take one, you mark one of them, um, and then you throw it in into the mix, mix it all up with the others. And then you get a person, you blindfold them, and then they go around and they pick up just one 50 pence piece the first time, and it is the exact coin that was marked. That's, that's just impossible, right? Yeah, unless God is at work. And that's what's happening here. That's what these prophecies, these predictions tell us, that God is at work. God is in control of history. He's shaping it, orchestrating it, because it's his story. And he's given us these as clues that we might trust and believe in Jesus. Ah, oh, but couldn't Jesus just be a clever con man who grew up aware of these predictions and then sought to fulfill them so that he could be a big superstar and have a following? Well, look at where that led him to, to a painful death on a cross. But also there's just too many to do that with, to, to kind of fulfill yourself. And so many are outside of your control. I mean, how many of you watching at home um, chose the place of your birth? I mean, doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah, this is what happened for Jesus. His birth was predicted in Bethlehem and he was born in Bethlehem. This means that there's something really rather precious and special about Jesus. This is worth getting excited about. Jesus is God and God came. He didn't have to come. He didn't have to leave heaven to come to visit our sinful planet, especially because why should he? We've been pretty ungrateful towards him. We've lived our lives independently of him. We've not loved him rightly or loved people and creation that he's he's made. I mean, truth be told, we've all lived pretty selfishly. 
And this is all part of the, the deeper darkness that consumes our world. It's not just that bad people do bad stuff to us. It's that we're part of the problem. There's darkness inside us. And so God comes to light up our lives with his love and to destroy all of that darkness beginning inside us. But how does he do that? Well, to answer that question, we're going to do a really great, fun activity now. It's called a Chris Tingle. I hope you've got all your bits, the orange, the candle and things that you should have, have ready. If you don't, just watch along and join in. We're going to be led through this part by part by our amazing children and youth leaders who serve our young people so well week after week. Hi, everyone. I am Feng Ha Chan. Nice to see you here. Boys and girls, look who is here. That's right, Charlotte the Bear. She misses you so much and she wants to come to say hello to you and see what we are doing. Can you give her a big, big wave? You can? Good job. Good job, boys and girls. Now today we are making a Christingle. People have been doing this, we think, for nearly 300 years. Jesus, God, came because he didn't want anyone to perish in spiritual darkness, but through believing in him, to live in the light of his happily ever after, forever. Now, to make the Christian go, you need an orange. The orange is round, represent the whole world. For God so loved the world. God cares about everyone. Whatever their color of skin, black, white, or orange. However clever, silly, old, or young you are. Whether you make a terrible crystal or a really good one. Hi folks, boys and girls. Mums and dads, everyone, it's Viola here. The second thing we need to get for our Christian book is a red ribbon. Or you could use a red tape. Or a red strip paper with sellotape. I'm going to be using a red ribbon. The red ribbon reminds us of the blood of Jesus. It tells us that God gave his son, Jesus, who willingly suffered and died for the whole world. And he wants to wrap his love around everyone. And that's why we wrap it around the orange. got there in the end. That's right. He wraps his love around everyone because God loves you so much that Jesus died to pay the penalty for all the naughty things, the bad things that you've ever done or will do, and for the good things that you should have done but didn't do. 
teach on the Accelerate team. Now the third thing you need to do with your Chris Dingle is to cut a hole in the top which the candle is going to go in. So you'll need a spoon and a pair of scissors to do that. It's probably best to ask a parent to help you do it. Now I've done one earlier and you can do yours while I keep talking. Here it is. Then you need to take your candle, you might have one a bit bigger than mine, and a glow or a glow stick if you want to be really safe and a bit fancy. Then take a little piece of tin foil and what you're going to do is you're going to scrunch it over the bottom and use that to stick it in the hole in the top. Oh, there we go. And then flatten down the tin foil so it looks pretty. There we go. Now the tin foil is going to catch any wax that comes down and it just helps it stay in a bit more securely. So you go ahead and cut yours out while I explain what all this means. You see the glow stick or the candle, it's all about light, isn't it? And Jesus is called the light of the world. So the only reason we can see anything is because of the light from the sun in the sky. Now Jesus is the light which helps us see God's love. See, the greatest way that God's love is shown in the Bible is when he lays down his life for us at the cross. And when we believe in Jesus, when we trust in what he did in the cross for us, we can be filled with love, love too. So when we light our candle or break our glow stick, it's a symbolic act. It's us saying, I'm going to trust in Jesus to be the light of my life to be in control and guide me through my life, even in difficult times of darkness. So let's let the light of Jesus transform all those difficult things that are in our lives. And let's let it give us perspective too. See, it shows us just how short really any suffering in this life is, any difficult times are, compared with the enormous amazingness of spending eternity with God in the new heavens and earth. Well, hello everyone. It's Mike here, leader of Accelerate. So by now, hopefully you should have your orange, your red ribbon to go around the middle of said orange, and you should have your candle as well. Now, your candle probably isn't quite as big as this one. This one's probably a bit too long for the orange, but it'll still do the trick, won't it? Now, the fourth thing we're going to need are some cocktail sticks. Four, to be precise. And on the end of each cocktail stick, you're going to put on some... Some, some what? Some fruit. Sorry, fruit. Well, some of you might choose to decorate your Christingle orange with fruit, or you could just easily choose jellies or sweets. But for me, for a Christingle orange, there's only real one way to decorate it. And that is by using some delicious whole pieces of Terry's chocolate orange. Mmm, look at that. Fantastic. Oh. Oh my, it, it seems there's still some, um, some, there's some leftover chocolate here. I, um, I wonder if, uh, excuse me. Oh, oh crap. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> Got a little bit carried away there. Anyway. Once you have your four cocktail sticks with your pieces of chocolate or sweets or fruits or jellies on them, you're going to put those cocktail sticks into your Christingle orange, like this. Now, this represents the four corners of the earth, north, south, east and west. And we like to think this represents the exciting mission of God, the very same mission that we as Christians get to play our part in. It's all about spreading the good news of Jesus 
to our neighbourhoods, to the rest of London, to the rest of the UK and beyond the four corners of the earth. As we do so, we get to enjoy God's good gifts. That's where the chocolates, the sweets, the fruits, the jellies come in. And hoping, as we do so, that other people will get to taste and see just how amazing Jesus really is. Finally, it's time to dim the lights, draw the curtains and light your candles or break the glow sticks. But do you know what this means? So, for those of us who want to, and only if we really want to, it means that we are trusting Jesus to be our light. So, let's light our candles or break our glow sticks together, and let's pray for him to be that light for us. So, if you want to pray along with us, then you can just repeat the words in your heart as we pray. Jesus, thank you for being the light of the world. Thank you for lighting up the way home to you, the true path to everlasting life. Please fill me and my family with the light of your love. Help us to hold on to hope and help us to bring your hope to many this Christmas. Amen. Amen. Well, hello, everybody. It's great. Hope you enjoyed joining in at home. Sorry, those of you who were present, you had to do it in your imagination. And I know the first thing you are going to do when you get home is to build your Chris Tingle. His, his mine, um, somebody tried to eat the sweets of it this morning, but I protected it for your enjoyment. Uh, if you made a Chris Tingle at home, we've got a Zoom uh, room meeting straight after the service. We'd love for you to come, on, come online and join in with that and show off your Chris Tingle. And if you can wait till then, maybe you can eat the fruit sweets or Terry's chocolate orange if there is any left of that Terry's chocolate orange chocolate. Um, that would be great. Um, I am now going to probably talk mostly to the older folks in the room, those that we call the, the adult people because they're not sufficiently childlike enough. They need extra time to really understand the presentation that you just saw. And so if you are young um, and you're watching, I would really appreciate it if you could help your adult um, near you stay focused. So could you poke them, prod them, get their attention and all of that just so that they're engaged in it and I think it would be great as well if you'd like to write down any questions or just think any questions you'd like to ask them just to make sure that they were, they were paying attention in this next bit that would be really good too. Well let's go back to that those verses that were read right at the start of um, that presentation from Isaiah chapter 9 and I want to read just one verse to you now it's 2,700 year old verse. Verse 6, Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. Notice it says, to us. Not to the mum and dad or to the wife, but to us, to all of us and all generations. This child, Jesus, is given. And the government, rule and authority will be on, on his shoulders and he will be called. His name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Names are really important things, aren't they? Um, 
We have some friends at the moment, and they've just taken some time, very moving actually, to, to name the, the child that they're adopting. Very wonderful thing. But sometimes some parents, they don't seem to work quite hard enough in naming their children. And last year they came up with the 10 worst boys' names and the 10 worst girls' names. A little survey. I really hope um, <laughs> that's not your name is not on that list. <laughs> None of your children are called by these names. Um, just a little joke. But I, I found particularly the boys' name Danger, number nine. Very interesting name. Very honest way to describe uh, your child, especially if your surname was child, like danger child. The teachers know what to expect, you know, with that child. Um, very, very awkward. Anyway, that's enough about names of human sort. I want to think about God's names. And this naming, naming of, of Jesus, this naming of, of God for us, helps us shed light on the light of the world that he brings to, to our lives. So we're going to look at each of these names in turn. Here's the first one. Wonderful Counselor. Now, I expect that you have heard somebody break the golden rule of counseling and say to you, I know how you're feeling. Yeah, I've said that to people, I've had people say it to me, and inside I am thinking, no you don't, you have no idea what's going on inside, you can't relate to me at all. Now, I might be struggling with my work as a kid growing up, and someone would say, I know how you feel, it was hard for me at school. No you don't, I'm dyslexic, and you're not, you don't understand the dyslexic mind, I'm, I'm sorry. It's kind of frustrating, isn't it, that sort of stuff. Well... They say what we should do is seek to build empathy, is to seek to imagine yourself in the other person's shoes and see the world from their point of view. And that is what God did at Christmas. God came and he didn't just get into your shoes, he got inside your skin if you, if you like. He saw the world through your eyes. He experienced suffering, difficulty, the highs and the lows of life. He went through it all from conception all the way through into death. And this means that God knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He's been through everything that you've been through and more. He suffered worse than any of us probably will ever suffer in our lives. He knows how to help you through it, to come alongside you and to counsel you and give you wisdom as he walks those steps through life with you and through faith in him. He can be that for you to guide you through all the tough times that you've been through this year, all that may be ahead of you. You can have not just a, an okay human counselor, you can have God, the wonderful counselor, by your side helping you through. That's his first name. His second name is Mighty God. Jesus is mighty God. He's mighty, of course, because he can create out of nothing like that, the world, the universe. He's mighty <laughs> because he can shrink so small to become a sort of a baby inside, inside, inside Mary's, Mary's womb growing. He's so powerful. He can be in control despite making himself so vulnerable. He's mighty as well because he can take the greatest evils in the world seen at the cross, dying in this most barbaric and brutal way, nailed to this execution tool. 
And he can turn it to the greatest good the world has ever known. And you discover this isn't barbaric. Yes, it is at one level. But it's about love and God dying in our place to rescue us from all of our sin and evil. And him taking the punishment that we deserve upon himself. So we go free. Wow, that's the greatest good from the greatest evil. And if he can do that then with all of our lesser darkness and evil and suffering and difficulties, if we trust him, if we love him, if we'll let him, he can turn all of those into good. Wow, with time and perspective, if we look for that, that's how mighty he is. With all of your suffering over this year, if you trust him, he can work it for good. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. A better translation here, more literal of the original Hebrew, would be source of eternal life. Jesus will grow up to say, it's reported in the first century biography about him. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they will die physically. They will live. They will carry on and and live. Wow, Jesus is saying that he's got the answer to the greatest problem that we all face of death. The the greatest fear, the greatest worry, the greatest trouble, this great dark shadow that looms over every one of us. And we've seen that in abundance this year with statistics daily telling us of people who've died from COVID-19. And that's just those who died from that virus. Many, many more dying of all sorts of other things. And it terrifies us for our own lives and for those that we love that we'll lose them. Jesus is saying, you don't have to despair over death if you believe in me. In fact, you can look death right in the face. You say, where, O death, is your sting? Because now, through faith in Jesus, you know that physical death isn't the end. This isn't just pie-in-the-sky thinking. This isn't mad, sort of crazy stuff. There's, There's historical evidence for this point of view, for the resurrection to have taken place. We've got medical evidence which shows that Jesus really died on the cross. He was flogged. Medical experts have looked at this evidence. They say there's no way he would have survived that. Jesus really was dead. And then we have all of these eyewitness accounts, testimonies of people saying they saw him alive. They saw him dead and then they saw him alive, so impressively alive that they believed he was God. And they were willing from what they'd seen and from what he'd said to go and risk their lives, be willing to die themselves because they believed that Jesus had defeated death. Wow. This is, this is, this is pretty amazing. This is, this is extraordinary. And we also have an empty tomb and a missing body. The easiest thing to to have done back then, if you wanted to disprove, you wanted to shut up all of the Christians back then, you would just say, hey, hey, here's Jesus' dead body. You're all wrong. They could never, ever find the body because he was alive. That body was alive, walking around. He couldn't find him dead. This is amazing hope of life beyond the grave for all of us who trust in Jesus, that what happened to Jesus' body, he was dead, then he's made alive, and he's glorified, is going to happen to every single square inch of the entire universe. 
When Jesus comes again, he's going to cleanse all of the darkness, all of the stuff which has been damaged and distorted and ruined through sin and corruption, all of that, all of the unpleasantness, all of our sin, sickness, suffering and death. Every virus will be gone because that's a sin-corrupted perversion of God's good creation was never there in the beginning. All of that will be gone and all of the goodness will be lifted up and supersized beyond our wildest dreams. The most beautiful mountain, the most beautiful waterfall, the most beautiful building and architecture will be just transformed for us to enjoy together forever with God and his people. It's going to be amazing. There'll be no evil, no crime in this place. Hey, you know what? There'll be no dentists there. That's good news, isn't it? Why? There'll be no tooth decay. There'll be no decay. There'll be no running down. There'll be no lawyers there. Hallelujah. I can say that. I I used to be a lawyer. Because there'll be no conflict. No humans butting up against each other anymore. All of that will be gone. There will just be joy forever for those who trust and follow in Jesus. The final name is number four, the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. We need to understand here that peace is not the absence of war, neither is peace simply silence. Peace is so much deeper than that. It's a spiritual peace. It's an inner peace. It's a whole life peace. If you like, Jesus isn't simply the Prince of Peace. In today's language, he's the Prince of Well-Being. Holistic, joyful happiness right inside you. Now, you will know what it's like to lose this sense of peace. Especially this year, I think we've, we've felt that. At a horizontal level, we've, we experienced this, maybe with someone you love, a spouse or a, a child, oh, a friend, family member, sibling. I don't know what it was over. Maybe for you it was over arguing about who took the duvet last night and all of that kind of stuff that sometimes goes on in married life. I'm revealing far too much in that moment. Um, and, and you can have these arguments. Maybe you've had an argument with somebody because they just think the virus is a hoax, it's fake, and you're like, you don't want to leave the house or over Brexit, you were on that side of the Brexit debate and they were on the other side and they then changed their mind about it and now we're leaving because of them and you're like, ah! And And you you lose lose your your sense of peace with with other people. And this wall of awkwardness, this barrier comes between the two of you and you, you can't look at the other person in the eye anymore. You've lost your peace. How much more so? That's horizontal. How much more so vertically between us and God? Hey, how much more so for all the ways we've rebelled against God, for all the ways that we've turned our back on him, all our ingratitude and our selfish living. This year we've discovered the power of the unseen realm, a virus that you, have to, you can only see with a microscope. And sin is a little bit like that. From God's point of view, imagine that God is putting a microscope on sin and we can't see all of these bad kind of stuff, the bacteria and things like that. But from his perspective, he can see it all, all of the time. He knows every sin that you have ever committed, all of your darkness. And yet he comes. 
Yet he came 2,000 years ago. He left the glory of heaven to come to this world on a rescue mission for you so that he can hang on a cross and cry out, Tetelestai, paid in full, which he stamps on the bill of all of your wrongdoing and all the good you should have done that you never did in his own blood to say they're free. I am dying. I am suffering for them that they might have glorious, joyful life forever with with me. So all of their guilt, all of their shame can be gone and wiped clean forever. This is why we get excited about Christmas. The issue is, do you know this piece? Do you know it? Are you too proud to bow before him? As the shepherds did, as the kings did, as all will ultimately do one day. But to do it before that future day comes, to do it now in this life and to say, yeah, I really need you. Jesus, I'm struggling. I need your counsel in my life. I I need wisdom. I don't know which way to go. I need you. Oh, Jesus, I feel so weak. I don't know if I can go on anymore. I need, I need mighty God. I need your strength in my life. Or you might say, Jesus, I, 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 I'm afraid of death. Death terrifies me like never before. What's the point of life if we're all going to die? Jesus, I, I, need you, I need you in my life to give me hope of life beyond the grave. And Jesus, I just feel so lost, so confused. I can't sit down. I can't find myself at rest. I just, I'm just so frantic and anxious. And it's Jesus, I need you as my Prince of Peace. Come into my heart now. We're going to have a moment now before we, before we sing our next carol to pray. And if you want this Jesus in your life for the first time, or you know you need him again in a more deeper and intimate way, I encourage you to pray this with me. And if you do pray it, let us know in the chat. Let us know by requesting prayer. There'll be a team available to pray for you today online to to help and support you. Don't miss the opportunity to have this amazing God in your life. Let's take a moment to pray. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads, just be still for a moment. Thank you, Jesus, for lighting up the way home. Thank you for showing us the true path to life everlasting. Thank you for paying the penalty on the cross for all of my sin and darkness. Please forgive me and fill me with the light of your love. I welcome you into my heart now as the wonderful counselor, mighty God, source of everlasting life and the Prince of Peace. Amen. And Lord, I pray for everybody here and watching on that you would come now as we seek to worship you and you would be the answer to every longing heart 
by revealing yourself. Give us all a fresh vision of how good and glorious you are this Christmas, we pray. Amen. listening to sermon audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.